Hello, I'm Michael Watson, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. In recent weeks, we have covered the actions of big philanthropy, and for most of the modern history of philanthropy, there has been no bigger force than the Ford Foundation. Established by the reliably capitalist Henry Ford, but turned since the 1950s to the hard left, under leaders from Robert Maynard Hutchins to McGeorge Bundy, to present-day Foundation President Darren Walker. Today, I'm joined by Sloan Rackman, Executive Director of Penn & Shield Media, to discuss the Ford Foundation's recent activities, powering the rise of the radical left, the history of the Ford Foundation, and what ought to be done about big philanthropy. Uh, Sloan, before we begin, could you tell us a little bit about your background and your work at Penn & Shield Media? Hi there. Thank you very much for having me. Um, yes, I'm the executive director for Pin and Shield Media, and we cover all issues, dark money, um, and also uh, education issues. And, you know, as well as I do, that frequently collides, which we have that here with the Ford Foundation. Um, mm-hmm. And we produce investigative pieces, um, you know, on everything from counterterrorism measures and, and influence in politics on up. And I have noticed that uh, Ford Foundation seems to intersect with a lot of those things. And this is my third, the Federalist piece is the third of a um, series of reports that we're producing on um, Ford Foundation and their involvement really in the political turmoil that we see here. So, uh, yeah, thank thank you for bringing up your, your piece in the Federalist. If you could uh, tell us a little bit about what you found and what you... Uh what you wrote and what you what you uh, analyzed about the Ford Foundation. Well, the Ford Foundation has connections with the Obama-Biden uh, administration as well as the Biden-Harris campaign. So as you guys have been reporting on for years, Ford Foundation is sort of the piggy bank for the Democrat Party. Um, Kamala Harris's sister, Maya, worked as the VP of the Ford Foundation a few years ago, back at the same time as uh, one of uh, Joe Biden's lead campaign managers, uh, Alex Kristoff, a a while back. So they've got that connection and others. Um, And so it's no surprise that Ford Foundation might be uh, undertaking in some efforts to sway the election or worse, to terrorize the electorate. Certainly, certainly what you have with the Ford Foundation and with uh, Open Society, which is George Soros's foundations, and with MacArthur, and with Rockefeller, and with all of these big, all of these pillars of liberal big philanthropy, is financial support, and and the the labor unions are also deeply involved in this, is financial support for the institutions of the permanent progressive activist machine, and what we are seeing in the streets nationwide is. The per, a permanent progressive activist machine at work. Could you tell us a little bit about um, was it Southern Vision Alliance? Yes, exactly. But you did mention Soros. And the interesting thing I found is this. When we're looking at funding these riots, these criminal enterprises, Ford is actually taking the lead in funding these activists over the last five years. Uh, Soros is not far behind, but th- th- here's the reason. Soros has had a very um, long history of fomenting and funding color revolutions uh, and has done it to great success uh, in Europe and in other places uh, along the years. So Ford Ford is getting in the out front because Soros, I, I think, believes that him funding it would raise suspicions. With 
So with the Ford Foundation funding, again, this permanent progressive activist class that's currently creating public disorder, what what sort of institutions like what who are they funding? Who are who are the groups that are taking Ford money and, and engaging in this public disorder? Well, it's it's a complex complex network. I mean, Ford is best at that, where we have the the actual groups, the shock troops, if you will, um, who are this is important, not only funded by Ford, but trained by Ford. So you've got several umbrellas. Let's look at Black Lives Matter for one. So Ford Foundation uh, funded the scholars who came up with the idea for Black Lives Matter, I believe 2009. I mean, so this has been, you know, kind of in the making. Angela Davis, Barbara Ransby, and others. And so these these thinkers produced a network that were ready to really ignite um, back in 2013. You've got uh, Alicia Garza. Uh, who Ford funded, and then a, a couple of other groups. There are various groups across the country who are ready to actually get up and running um, during the time of the Trayvon Martin incident. You know, every revolution always is prepared. It just looks for a spark, and that's what happens here. So let's look at Black Lives Matter. They funded the several groups that came together to make Black Lives Matter. So Ford Foundation was the lead investor, and of course, when you have a lead investor, um, it always attracts more investors, and it's kind of spun from there. What I found, to my great surprise, is that Antifa networks are also funded by Ford. How how are they going about doing this? Because I I, I, mm-hmm. I must say that would surprise me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ford has has always again been left, but it's been more. I don't. I don't want to say mainstream liberal left because it's a little bit further left than that. But it's always known where the boundary was. And outright funding of Antifa strikes me as that that would be more radical than I would expect. Well, the problem with funding activists um, is that when you're funding radical activists, sometimes they're going to get out ahead of what the original intent of funding would be. Maybe that happened, maybe it didn't. I, I don't believe it did, and I'll give you this example. Um, there's a network, as I covered in my piece, called Southern Vision Alliance. It's headquartered in Durham, North Carolina, but it, it's reach, I mean, they've got you know a reach from New York to Chicago uh, to New Orleans. Mm. And so uh, Ford originally funded them in 2013, 13, I believe, 2013 or 2015, um, started funding this network. The network itself is made up of high-level members of the World Worker Party. Hard. So, that, that's like hard neo-communist. Oh, oh yes, definitely. I mean, they're self-avowed communists. I mean, these are um, what a lot of the uh, Antifa groups uh, actually are. And so Ford did this uh, knowingly because... All of the officers at the time they first funded the group, there were five of them, um, they are also, you know, co-leading World Workers Party. And they do mm. today. They mm. do today as well. Um, and so Southern Vision Alliance is an umbrella group. It's actually a nonprofit. It's a nonprofit, by the way, that got PPP funding. So mm. it's a legitimate nonprofit. This is how the structure works. Underneath and in that nonprofit, are you know 15 to 20 different small groups and cells if you will who are trained 
by Southern Vision Alliance and by Ford Foundation. And they go in their, you know, respective towns and their, their goal, and they're specifically trained to incite riots and to tear down statues. How do we know? We've got training manuals. We've got pictures uh, that was also in the piece and the information mm -hmm. is readily available. Hmm. And so they are a nerve center uh, for a lot of these, uh, the statue teardowns uh, that, that we see right mm -hmm. now. So, well, the Ford Foundation may be moving out to the, the radical wing of the left with, with groups like Southern Vision Alliance, work within the uh, left progressive movement, the welfare state movement, the, uh, the broader political left is nothing new, of course, for the Ford Foundation, uh, despite it being founded by capitalist Henry Ford and a longtime association with his uh, son and ultimate successor, uh, Henry Ford II, Ford Foundation has long been associated with advancing left progressivism. Uh, my, our colleague here at Capital Research Center, Martin Morse-Wooster, uh, features the Ford Foundation in our donor intent book, The How Great Philanthropists Failed and You Can Succeed at Protecting Your Legacy, which is available on request from the Capital Research Center, uh, as one of the sort of totems of these foundations that were established by prominent businessmen, prominent capitalist figures, uh, that then goes on to be captured by its management and nonprofit managers, and what I am sure is shocking to no one, uh, tend to be liberal to left. And and that is is what we have is is what we have seen uh, throughout the Ford Foundation's existence. I don't know, Sloan, how familiar are, are you? familiar with that history? Oh, absolutely. I, I read everything that, that you've written and you are, I mean, you're absolutely correct. Um, but I, I, I believe that what, what we're seeing here is Ford is going the way of the radical left, the communist left. And it's happened perhaps, um, since, you know, Trump was elected. Uh, but the Ford foundation and the management and Darren Walker, they actually know the radical doings of these groups. In fact, they have key members of Black Lives Matter and World Workers Party um, featured at their meetings and their national meetings where they train other activists. So it's not under their radar. They're very much are aware of what these groups are doing and how left they are. Yeah, and 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 again, that goes back into the Ford Foundation's history um, in the nineteen. You know, a little bit of the history that that my colleague Martin Wooster has has featured both. Uh, in his book and on Influence Watch, we have uh, the Gray Areas Program, which was a predecessor of the Johnson administration's War on Poverty, which was uh, the substantial expansion in the size and scope of the federal government uh, and the provision of welfare state services in the 1960s and early 1970s. Uh, it partnered with a number of big foundations of big philanthropy uh, on population control, uh, most notably Rockefeller. It funded uh, Catholics for Choice, which is the nominally nominally Catholic, but denounced by the institutional church because it exists to oppose the church's position on abortion. Um, perhaps most closely related to the current uh, street disorder, uh, Ford Foundation basically invented left-of-center public interest law. All these organizations like MALDEF, Earth Justice, uh, 
that go, that find sympathetic plaintiffs, and then that sue the government, usually the government, but also businesses, uh, in order to enact some liberal policy through the judiciary. Uh, that was that strategy was created, and a lot of that funding and the creation of these organizations came from the Ford Foundation in the uh, 1960s and 1970s, and. You know, we, we, we talk a lot about the violation of donor intent, but of course, what is the one part of Henry Ford's donor intent that the Ford Foundation has aligned with? Well, that's unfortunately Ford's infamous anti-Semitism mm -hmm. because uh, Ford was responsible for co-sponsoring the 2001 Durban Conference, which was a UN-associated conference that w existed to become an Israel bashing fest that concluded that Zionism was racism. Uh, you know, that, that, that's who we're dealing with here. Oh yeah. I'm very, we're very, I'm very much aware of that. I mean, Ford foundation also was uh, chiefly responsible for fomenting the uh, crown hypes riots. I mean, the organization has been a specialist at igniting race wars. Uh, you have the, you know, riots in Chicago as well as in Brooklyn um, and, and in New York, we're seeing that uh, as well. And some of the things that Ford Foundation is doing, namely their um, justice groups that are uh, decrying Jewish landlords now uh, in Brooklyn and other places across New York, de you know, decrying them as greedy landlords and just a, a way to get, you know, people of color upset with, um, you know, a, a, a Jewish group and not looking at the policies they're enacting in New York. And that's just kind of a pattern in practice, but it's, it's being done on a massive scale now, I, I think. Um, but what I find interesting is that the, the Occupy Wall Street movement uh, really has been, in a sense, repurposed. And instead of greedy corporations, uh, that are the enemy. It's now uh, white people, and in particular, males or, or straight males. And so, I, I find it interesting that Ford is kind of repurposing them. And now, I'm not even seeing as much in the headlines about uh, corporations acting greedily or doing badly. We're seeing, um, you know, other enemies. So, mm. so you know, keeping in mind the the history and the. Uh, the present activities that Ford that Ford is funding from its, I believe, multi-billion-dollar endowment, uh, mm -hmm. going to, and keeping in in mind that the broader world of big philanthropy, as uh, we've established here at Capital Research Center, and as we've discussed uh, with our last two guests, actually, is so overwhelmingly liberal. Uh, I'm going to put the same question to you that uh, that I put to my colleague, Mike Hartman. Uh, in episode 134, and to Naomi Schaefer-Riley of AEI in episode 135. Uh, what do we do about it? Uh, you, you, know, you mentioned in your piece that Ford Foundation is accountable only to itself and to IRS regulation. Um, you know, if it's doing uh, this damage to the social compact, if it is advancing this ideological agenda, possibly a more radical ideological agenda, maybe, maybe it's... Uh, board and staff know what they're doing, but the average member of the general public doesn't. Um, you know, what do we, how, how do we, how do we address that? How do we counter it? Right. There is a problem with transparency 
And, uh, it, you know, with a foundation, you don't know where the money's coming from. I mean, granted, they have an endowment, but are they, you know, getting money from other interests? So there's a lot of problems with that. What I think would be a great remedy in the instance of Ford, given that they likely have knowledge of what these groups are doing, given that these groups are physically hurting people, destroying businesses and putting people at risk, I, I would love to see a class action lawsuit or two or three or four where citizens, private citizens and businesses can come together and hold the organization accountable. I mean, I think we've gone from advocating for left-wing policies or even funding protests, which, you know, we may not like it, but yeah, that's but you have a, you certainly have a first, a right. You have a First Amendment right to peacefully sure. demonstrate, but once somebody picks, sure. up a, picks up a Molotov cocktail, they stopped being a peaceful protester. And that's where we are. And as I said, I, I've laid out a little bit in my piece, but I, I'll lay out in other ones. Ford Foundation has known or should have known that these activities were, were being perpetrated. And the reason that they knew is because they're having, they also have legal services that they provide for the groups yeah, they're, that they're they a fund. Bi- they're a big funder of, of liberal public interest law. And part of what liberal public interest law entails is, uh, you know, if, if you're funding the, you know, if you're funding the ACLU or the ACLU foundation, you know, you're, you're paying ACLU lawyers to represent protesters who get arrested at their bail hearing. Right. Correct. And it, I, I wonder if holding the foundation accountable in a way that's meaningful um, and that's in the pocketbook. I, I wonder if that will help quell this activity because there's no stopping them. I just looked at the and grant database and today. It's, and I mean, it's possible yeah. that, that the that, you know, if there is a a way to link them to to unlawful activity, even just the act of investigation, even just the act of opening parts of their books that may be closed or that may be harder to get. Or, I mean, what we've noticed, so foundation, you know, foundations, as I'm sure you know, uh, you know, are obligated to put out their their annual tax return. Uh, but those tend to come out only sometimes two, even three years after the grants are made, after the activities are taken. Uh, you know, if there were something like with the, uh, you know, with labor unions, labor unions have to file their annual reports dictating all their expenditures and all their revenues. Uh, they have to file them within three months of the close of the fiscal year. Uh, and then those are publicly available and then those are publicly searchable. Um, you know, maybe we need more more transparency regulations to get those, to get that information out more quickly. Ford Foundation is very transparent. Um, they have a, uh, to their credit, an online grant database, and they're very forthright uh, about what they're funding and when they're funding it. Um, and so, you know, but what's what's not seen, that's always the story. So we know what we do see. Uh, but to your point, you know, the granular details of those grants, and for me, the subgroups, I mean, it took was painstaking process to figure out the subgroups, the players, etc. And so, um, you know, those kind of details you'll get in the 990 and usually to your point, 18 months to two years uh, post haste. So. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, we've noticed with other liberal funding groups like the Arabella Advisors, um, 
you know, there are a lot of these sub sub entities and fiscal sponsorship arrangements that exist to obscure and make our job at Capital Research Center, your job, uh, you know, harder in trying to put together the the dots that would otherwise be connected. Well, uh, Sloan, that is all the time we have. Thank you uh, to Sloan Rackmuth of Pen and Shield Media for joining us this week. Uh, we will link her Federalist article in today's show notes. That's our show for this week. We encourage you to subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And if you have subscribed, thank you. And please leave us a five-star rating. We'll see you next week.